So I'm going to uh, share with you a kids chat because I, I know that uh, some of you will get that one. You may not get what I say later and that's not your fault, that's mine. So uh, I'm just going to share with you a kids chat that I, I think is important to kind of set the stage. You got to take yourself back a little bit if you would, okay? You remember this shepherd boy? You remember a shepherd boy who killed the giant and did it because he couldn't imagine that that giant thought that he was more important than the holy God of Israel, and so he didn't depend upon himself? See, that's a hard thing to do, isn't it? To not depend upon yourself when you're in a situation like that. And that's why most of us would never go out and fight a big bully, would we? Because we'd only be thinking about what we could do. And he said, who is this? This is what he called him. Who is this uncircumcised fellow? Now, I may not use that with the little kids later on. Who is this uncircumcised fellow that he thinks that he can come into uh, the presence of holy God and shout these insults? Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Does he know who he's messing with? See, in this David, who then, by the Lord's power, and with just a single stone from a sling, killed a giant, this same David probably about 15 to 18 years later, became the most memorable king. And he was, in fact, the forebearer, or if you will, the great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather of Jesus. I didn't have enough greats in there, but bear with me. And he had a son who he gave his inheritance to. In fact, he had a lot of sons. And it wasn't his oldest son who got the inheritance of kingship. It was the one that the same God who chose him had chosen. And his name was Solomon. Solomon is by many thought to be the wisest man who ever lived, and there's a reason for it. Because when Solomon was 20 years old, and he was just coming into his kingship, God came to him. And he said, Solomon, ask for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. Well, Solomon did not rub his hands together and start thinking about what he could get. It was kind of like rubbing a, a magic lamp and getting three wishes. Solomon thought about who he was and what his inheritance actually was, you see, because Solomon had been raised by a man who was after God's own heart. He had seen imperfectly, because King David was far from perfect, he had seen imperfectly what it meant to follow Jesus. Not what it meant to follow God, I'm sorry. What it meant to follow God. So Solomon asked for something that really showed that he understood what his inheritance was. As he, his inheritance didn't have anything to do with all of King David's wealth or his power. 
it had to do with the responsibility of governing, of ruling, of caring for God's people and God's promise that was coming not only to the people now, but to the people that would come, even the people that include us. See, Solomon was wise enough already and schooled enough to know that he was part of the same promise that had been made to Abraham. And this promise just wasn't about Israel and their military might and their place in time. It was about all people for all time. And he didn't understand how that would all come about, so he asked for something. He asked for something how am I as just a little child? See, he was 20 years old. Most 20-year-olds old would say, um, you know, I'm 20, and I kind of know what's going on now, so help me out here. No, he said, no, how can I as a little child rule this great people of yours? He said, so give me wisdom. That's what he asked for. That's what he asked for. Give me wisdom. Help me to do this. That's what he asked for to handle this great inheritance. Now, I'm not going to quite do that with the kids, but you get the gist of what they're going to hear. So I'm going to ask them, what are they asking for? And I'd ask you, what would you ask for? And, and you have to admit, don't you? That if God was going to come to you and say, ask for anything you want, a part of you, the little kid in you, would be going, really? <laughs> I get to ask for anything I want? <laughs> Wouldn't you? Part of you. Part of you. And yet also, because I know that I'm looking at people who already are bearers of the inheritance. You already have the name of God placed upon you. And yeah, Art, sometimes we go like this about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that to you because I know you're cold, and that's not why you're doing that. <laughs> but, but, you know, sometimes I go like this, yeah, what, what, what was that, what's that going to mean, you know? Yeah, and I'm, I'm picking on you, Art, because I can, sorry. So, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, sometimes we go like this. And sometimes we go like this, and sometimes we say, I, I, I really don't, don't know what I, I need. See, that's kind of where Solomon was at, is that he didn't really know what he needed. And so we hear about inheritance in our Ephesians passage today, and bear with me because I'm going to move through this kind of fast. Okay? If you want to, uh, you could put that back up on the screen and just kind of walk through with me. So it, uh, this whole verses 3 to 14, it's kind of an interesting piece. It's all kind of theological in nature. And it, and it, uh, and it just kind of uh, is, is uh, presented by Paul as one long sentence. What he's trying to do is he's trying to, trying to, in the beginning of this passage, just tell everybody, how is it that we got here? And what is this all about? And what does God have in mind for his people? What is his plan of salvation, if you will? 
that is, that is so important. How do we arrive at the inheritance that is yours and mine? And who are you in the midst of this? And so you, you've got it at the beginning, I'm sure, Carly, and leave it there. But I just want to get to the end because sometimes we can understand the beginning if we understand the end. And so, so he says this at the end. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. See, that comes at the end. They, they come at the end. The Ephesians, who they are, comes at the end. Guess what? You, ha- you and I have most in common with the Ephesians. We come at the end. He's referring to the Gentiles, the people who were more lately called. But it doesn't make them or us inferior. It just means that's the time that we come about in God's plan. And interesting enough, this is not geared towards any one individual, although we as Americans always want this to, to make this about us. Make it about me. Help me to understand that, Pastor. Help make it, make it about me, my inheritance. See, as soon as we start to think that way, we start to think about this, don't we? And maybe not in real, physical, monetary terms, but we start to think about what, what is it that I get out of this? See, when I think about inheritance, which is really what's going on here, I think about it in terms of what do I receive? That's the natural part, but I've learned something now that I'm a little bit older, is inheritance oftentimes means responsibility. I watched a man who was connected to this congregation, not a member, a number of years ago. I watched a man wrestle mightily with the responsibilities of being an executor. And he was the executor for a woman who passed away in her late 90s. For the, her time, she was quite wealthy. I, I believe she was worth somewhere between 3 and $5 million. So for her time, she was quite wealthy, and she had uh, three adult children. Three adult children who were in their 60s and 70s. These adult children had been waiting like vultures at a kill for her, their mom's death so that they could collect the inheritance. Now, why was it that none of them were named responsible to spread and, care and, and uh, share that inheritance? It's because they were waiting like vultures for a kill. See, the inheritance was all about them. It was all about this. It was, oh, what do I get? Gimme, 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 rather than understanding that our inheritance is a, I'm going to use two words that don't seem to go together here, a blessed burden, a glorious responsibility, a trusting sharing. That's what it meant to receive the inheritance. And that's why my, I'll call him my friend here, my acquaintance, because I felt very friendly towards him. That was what he struggled with, because he had to, at this point, make the best use for everyone involved. 
and do it with a sense of service, even though those who were receiving it seemed ungrateful. In fact, they were. So, dear friends, I, I, I want to twist things a little bit in your head when you think about the word inheritance. I want to turn this upside down a little bit so we're not just thinking about what do we get because as I'm looking out today, all of you are mature enough to understand that inheritance also bears with it responsibility. It doesn't just bear with it opportunity. It bears with it responsibility. I feel that as I stand responsible for an aging parent. And even though I'm one of five children, guess what? Circumstances have turned me in such a way that guess who everybody else looks at when decisions need to be made about mom? Look, look at Michael. Perhaps that's because I'm the tallest of all of them. I'm not the oldest, just like Solomon was not the oldest, but that's who they look to. And let me tell you, I'm not thinking about this with the inheritance, I've already received that in spades from my mother and my father. The inheritance of, that we're gonna end up with, the inheritance of salvation. The inheritance of knowing that my name is written in the book of life. The inheritance of having some idea how to use that, how to share that, how to express that, the great love that I have experienced. See, the inheritance that we want to be talking about today as we go through this long sentence is an inheritance that is an opportunity, a blessed responsibility, a shared gift that we have, a sharing gift that is first applied not to the world but must be applied right here. I'm not saying that that inheritance isn't supposed to, isn't intended for all people, because it is. But I'll tell you, if we can't share it among one another, those who are gathered and those who are scattered from our midst, then we're not going to be able to do it out there. Discipling starts at home. It starts with those of us who are the gathered, also to the scattered. It's a blessed responsibility, it's a blessed burden that we share. So let's take just a look at this, as you've still got that up there. I want you to see in verse 4, He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world. I want you to see two things. It's been a long time since, since God knew about you and knew what was going to happen. He's known about you from the beginning, but it's not an individual here. He chose who? Us. What does that mean? It's not just about you. Can I say that one more time? It's not just about you. It's not just about me, and it's not just about your kids. It's about God's kids, all of them. Now, I know some of you like some of your kids more than others. All of us are tempted to do that, and especially on certain days. <laughs> Christy and I were talking about that on a long walk the other day. Don't tell any of our kids I said that. <laughs> But the reality is, is that God 
part of the inheritance of caring for his kids is about the us. And he knew us before the foundations of the world. In other words, he meant his people not just to live as individual spots of light. He meant us to live in community. Wow. That takes some work, doesn't it? That's the blessed responsibilities of inheritance. Of inheritance. Then it says, he predestined us for, the adop- for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. What is adoption about? Well, adoption doesn't mean that we chose him. It means that he chose us. And I have to tell you, next Sunday, in fact, in the, in the church year, we emphasize the baptism of Christ. And some of us are, emphasize, are, are thinking that we're going to emphasize our own baptisms. And so oftentimes we look at this font and, and we're tempted to look at it as promises that we make. And yes, we make promises at baptism. We make promises for ourselves. We make promises for those who are brought in baptism. But I have to ask you a question. How good, how faithful are you at always following through on your promises? You don't have to raise your hands and tell me about it. Because I know your good intentions. I'm seeing people who are called, who want to make good on their promises. But sometimes circumstances keep us from following through on our promises. And although we feel awful about it, what do we say? I'm only human. See, that's why it's so important that our inheritance is not about us taking it. It's about God giving it. in granting to us an adoption as sons and daughters. Adoption is really important for us, and it's really important for the people here because they aren't naturally born as the people of God, children of Abraham. They are Gentiles. I'm assuming most, if not all, of you are Gentiles too. You were not naturally born as children of Abraham. You were chosen. You are chosen. God is choosing you and letting you know that you're chosen again today. That inheritance is something you're blessed by. We're a glorious race. He has blessed us in the beloved, it says. He predestined us. Keep on going with one more, one more slide there, Carly. To the presence of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved, the beloved. See, what does that say? God is saying through Paul, I love my son Jesus. When I look at you, I see him. What louder message could we have that it's not about you? But aren't you glad that he sees Jesus when he looks at you as much as he also sees you? Notice I didn't say, aren't you glad that he sees Jesus and not you? Because he does see you. But he also sees you in the context of his beloved. 
always seeing the sacrifice, always seeing the love, always seeing the shed blood, always seeing the victory, always seeing that it's not just Fred and Patty. It's not just Gene. It's not just Harold. It's not just Don. It is the Lord Jesus Christ that I see when I look at you. I see you as redeemed. I see you as precious. I see you in the eyes of my beloved. See, I have to think that that helps Solomon too. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us and the wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will. That's a big mouthful, but what it's all saying is what I just said. He sees you on the basis of a sacrifice of spilt blood, of victory. He sees you not as you always fail, but as you succeed, not through your own efforts only, but through the fueling of Jesus' love for you. See, if it was only about my good intentions and my good promises, um, I wouldn't be standing before you today, and quite honestly, I wouldn't be a married father of four. And I wouldn't be a grandfather of two, soon to become three, soon to become more. I would probably be a wretched human being trying to justify my existence, my choices that I am making by the fact that they are not as bad as most other people. And I've only done what was necessary to preserve what I have. Now, you may not be as wretched as I am. Maybe you're more gracious by nature. But the reality is, is that I am who I am. You are who you are. You are sitting here as one of the beloved's beloved because you were chosen, you were adopted before the beginning of time. You were known. You were cherished. God had plans for you. And those plans included your salvation just as they included the salvation of the Ephesians. And then it gets to where we're going. In him we have obtained an inheritance. This is verse 11. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were first to hope in Christ, that's Paul and his, the disciples, might be, to the pra- might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, that's us, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We know that in the promises of baptism, God guarantees that he will work. But in the promises of his word made flesh, he works as well. It's also a means of grace. And when that word came to you and it hit your heart and you were moved to believe by the Spirit who made you alive, and Paul is talking about this later, 
That is when you were sealed in the Holy Spirit. It was a visible sign of being sealing when you were baptized. Maybe it happened at the same time it did for me. The promises of God came to me when I was a yielding infant, and God built those up in me throughout all of my life. As I was presented to the Lord as one who was not pure, but made pure by the presence of God. See, it wasn't about me. And as a three-week-old, I had no idea what God had in mind for me with that inheritance that he had just bestowed upon me. It was simply one that was a gift, so much of a gift that I had not even the concept at the time to be thinking about what I would get out of it. But I got so much out of it. And at this point in life, God has made it very clear to me that this is not just what I am getting out of it. And I'm still getting in volumes. I'm getting his forgiveness. You're getting his forgiveness. I'm getting his grace. You're getting his grace. I'm I'm getting his second chances. You're getting his second chances. I'm getting trusted. You're getting trusted. See, all of these are things that God gifts to us, not because we deserve it, but because he is gracious. And then that inheritance, that inheritance is really no different in the end than it was for David or Solomon. The inheritance is not just about you, just like salvation was not just about you. It's about what God intends to do in and through you. The boy Jesus, when he was 12 or 13 years old, bar mitzvahed, and he went to the temple. You know the story, right? And he stayed behind. He stayed behind. Why did he stay behind? Well, his parents don't know. They thought maybe he got lost. He's only 12 or 13 years old after all. But he had bar mitzvahed. In the people of Israel's time, that meant that he was specifically had become a man of Israel, a member of the community. And what does he say to his mom and his dad, who he had been subject to? Didn't you know that I had to be what? About my father's business. Jesus was stepping into his blessed burden. His blessed burden included you and me. It was for the glory of the Father. Because all of that responsibility and that burden of paying for ourselves is off of our plate, the inheritance you have is an opportunity. It's a blessing that God trusts you with. First with the people that are gathered and scattered, but right alongside of that, sometimes before it, sometimes after it, those people who are out there still. So that he might be glorified. Yeah, think about your inheritance and think about everything that falls into your hands. And Adrian, you'll appreciate this as we've talked about it just in the last couple of days. Think about also everything that hits your hands and that God has given you to let flow through your hands. 
to the world. See, that's our blessed responsibility. That's our blessed burden. That's our shared love. God trusts you. He trusts me to do that. To be about that responsibly, not hurting, but helping. Not enabling, but freeing. For that, we probably ought to play, pray the prayer of Solomon, shouldn't we? Lord, give me wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue with the Apostles' Creed. This is our words of faith, which we confess uh, together. As these are your words of faith, let's rise and confess them before the Lord also. If there are words you're considering, take time to consider it today. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And then we'll continue with something that we do here at Resurrection. What is a disciple? Someone who is following Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, and is on a mission with Jesus. We'll continue now with our offering. You notice the ways to give that are up there on the slide. Perhaps you've taken care of this already. Perhaps it's something uh, that, you're, that you're considering now. But I would ask that you would just simply sit and reflect and use this as a time of worship. Uh, see, God's blessings flow out to us. God's blessings flow out to us. And we stand there with people with hands open. We also want to think about how God's blessings flow through us as well. And so take a time in this time of worship to reflect on how your offerings, your gifts, your sacrifices also respond to that which God is calling you and his church together to do.